Slash Tube episode seven. Hello and welcome to Slash Tube, the mysterious movie pitching podcast with a twist. Each member of today's podcast has been given the same movie or TV title, some time to prepare, and has come to the table to pitch their own unique take on that title. We'll be hearing two pitches before the break and one afterwards. After the break, we'll be hearing a special pitch from the dupe. The dupe is the one person at the table who has not been given the title in advance and will have to improvise their idea at the end of the show following everybody else's. Our dupe today is Ryan. How are you feeling about being the dupe, Ryan? I feel like I do every time I be the dupe. I absolutely love it and I can't wait to pitch something for this mysterious title. Brilliant. Uh, and welcome to Slash Dupe co-host and regular Dan. Dan, without giving anything away, how are you feeling about today's title? I'm feeling really excited. I like this title. I think we're going to blow it away. Good, good. And I'm, I'm, I think I'm more excited than usual, actually, because this is the first episode we've recorded where I haven't had an idea previously. So I, I didn't come up with this title or come to this title with an idea in mind. I, I just, I'm just looking forward to hearing three completely different pitches today. So I'm doubly excited, therefore, to introduce our guest today, Ali. Uh, welcome, Ali. How are you feeling about your chances today? Hi, Sean. I am so excited. I'm very nervous, but I think my chances are really good. <laughs> well, you're going first. So um, you've decided to go Great. first, haven't you? Um, yes. So I am excited to hear your idea. Dan, you, you, you told me there was a reason why. Uh, you, you were suggesting oh, that Ali went first. Yeah, because I have an absolutely banging logline, but nothing further than that. Because ultimately, I got there, you'll, he you'll hear it, when I, when I get it, you'll be like, yeah, you don't need to think any further than that, but we probably want to talk about it. So okay. I'm going to say Okay. Uh, so a logline for everyone at home is, is it's, it's one or two sentences that, that has the, that both the broad strokes and the details that you need in order to get somebody excited about it. So so. Hopefully, um, Ali, if you have only a, a good logline and not a great idea, we can help you flesh it out. But it sounds like you have a great idea and Dan has no idea but a great logline. That's my life. <laughs> <laughs> all all loglines and no ideas. Yeah. But, I, you know, I don't think I have a logline. Interesting. Okay, so maybe by the end of your pitch, we'll have constructed one. Uh, and finally, I'm Sean, your peerless moderator. At the end of the episode, I should be selecting a winning idea to go through to the next heat. What happens with the winning idea at the end of the season? You'll have to wait until the halfway point of today's episode to find out. Hey, Sean. Yes. I, I, I'm really curious. What is a slash dupe? Oh, Ali, I'm, I'm glad you asked. Um, a slash dupe, no. is, a, <laughs> is, a rough, a slash dupe <laughs> is a rough early version of a film used in post-production. Uh, it's an unfinished foundation of what a finished film can become. And together on the Slash Dupe podcast, we hope to bring you that at least. So you will at least get a slash dupe by the end of today. But what is today's slash dupe? Are you ready? I can reveal that the title for today's episode is Canned Laughter. So the idea for today's canned, uh, the title for today is Canned Laughter. Um, there, any variation of spellings is fine. There's no origin to this. Uh, there's no interesting origin to this anyway. Um, it's just canned laughter. Canned laughter, Ali. I'm looking forward to hearing your idea for canned laughter. Oh, well, you know, you're going to have to go on a journey with me. You're going to okay. have to be open to some ideas. <laughs> Okay. I actually got it and I immediately thought of another idea, but then the more I worked on it, the more I thought this one was way more fun. 
Should I just okay. dive in? Yeah, please do. I mean, I like the fact that you've had two ideas, Ali. I, oh, I mean, I had like four. Have one. Right, okay, brilliant. <laughs> sure. Just making me look even worse. I know. Don't worry, don't worry about it. Well, listen, go for your primary idea, and then okay. maybe just before the dupe comes in, just before Ryan comes in, let's challenge him to come up with, whoa, whoa, whoa. just in case he's come up with similar ideas, you can give us all of your alternatives to cut some of his out. Then it'll let's, give him a harder yeah, challenge. I was going to say, like, maybe let's do that after my idea in case... She pitches my exact idea, and then I've literally got yeah. the We'll see. Let's see how much of a challenge we want to give you this episode. <laughs> <laughs> Ali, please, your journey. You're going to take okay. us on a journey. Now, I don't know if this is totally not what you do, but I have written um, like two pages of not dialogue, but of what the whole movie is. Yeah, perfect. Brilliant. We're ready? Okay, great. Mm-hmm. Okay. We open on a dystopian future style building. It almost has a cosmic futuristic vibe. It's cold and bare and metal, blue, gray, dark, known as the behind. You can also jump in anytime you want. Like I'm totally fine with that. Oh no, please go ahead. (laughs) We hear distant laughter that gets louder and louder as we zoom into a room of six inmates all chained to chairs. Everyone is dressed in futuristic clothing, metallics, white and black. We see a projection screen in front of them, instructing them to show different emotions. For example, laugh unapologetically, awe as if you see a cute baby, or ooh as if a passionate kiss was happening between two handsome and unsuspecting friends. We close up on one woman, Charlie, played by Zessie Beats, and you can see distraction in her eyes. Her mind is elsewhere. She misses a cue and an electric current vibrates through her cuffs and she's shocked. The audience can see that these people are being tortured to gain access to food, lodging, and limited human interaction and connection, maybe even a reward of a 20-second hug. One day, Charlie notices a strange scratch in the ground while doing her chores down a corridor she's not familiar with and realizes that she's found what she believes to be a hidden door. She wasn't supposed to be down that hallway anyway, so now the lead security general, General Stevens, played by John Malkovich, has an eye on her. A few nights later, she discovers that near the door is a keypad that appears to lead to nothing but are all over the building, and it's an eyeball scanner. She has to get to this door without anyone noticing, and she has to bring a certified general with her. She decides to seduce General Stevens. He falls for it, and she drugs him. Heavily sedated and horny, she pretends she's handcuffing him to the bed, but just handcuffs him and drags him down the hallway. He may be too sedated. He won't open his eyes, refuses. She hears other commotion in an adjacent hallway and takes out a small blade or a pocket knife and jabs it into his ribs. He opens his eyes and screams. The padlock accepts it and the door opens. She drops the knife and the fellow guards come running and the hatch door closes just in time. Charlie runs through corridors until she finally runs into a very large, tilt-up, retractable garage door. She turns the switch on and the door lifts. Charlie then walks out onto the NBC lot out of one of their storage units. It's bright and loud. She's confused. The first thing she sees is a sign. It reads, The Good Place. Charlie was taken as a child actor. The parents are aware of it, but they got a lot of money for letting the network keep their child. She's been in custody in a world unlike the real one to keep her in line for her whole life and basically like use her emotions for sitcoms. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. Okay. She, with around 100 other people, have been in this prison for their whole lives. Okay, then the movie turns from one of action, horror, terror to like a bright, sunny Hollywood comedy. 
And she walks around going from set to set until she realizes she's being watched. And she begins to run from security until a hand grabs her and she's taken to the set of Space Garbage, a show that NBC is producing about people dating in the future and in space. And it's awful. (laughs) On set, she meets Frankie, played by Bo and Yang who immediately is drawn to her acting and the fact that the hair and makeup and costume department took more of an interest in her. They quickly become friends, and through watching old episodes of Friends, she hears her own laugh and she starts to put everything together. She also begins to understand the actual world but has troubles because she's only known her emotions to get her basic needs, so she doesn't fully understand a real stable conversation or relationship because she's been brainwashed her whole life. There are a lot of comedic scenes now. Maybe Frankie throws a party for her and she laughs too much and hugs too many people. Maybe there are moments we see her not react to jokes or stories because there isn't a cue card to tell her it's okay to laugh. It's funny and painful. Pissed, confused, and angry, she begins to plan how she will get the others to escape. She also soon realizes they must be after her after she starts seeing glimpses of General Stevens in places. Is it real or is it all her imagination? She reports it to the police, but they laugh her off. No evidence, and the owner of NBC, Smith Sterling, played by Gwendolyn Christie, is a powerful man. Well, she's not a man. People assume it's a man until it's discovered that she's a woman, and now she knows where Charlie is. Charlie has to sneak back onto the lot, but can't remember which garage or locker is the one, and when she turns a corner, she gets punched in the face and then taken in to talk with Smith Sterling. She informs Charlie they can't put her back in the behind because then all the other prisoners would know, but they can't keep her out and let her keep telling people about the behind. So what are they going to do? She realizes she's going to be killed and an awesome fight scene takes place. (laughs) (laughs) This intertwines with scenes back in time of her with a makeshift punching bag in her room in the behind. She's strong. I had to give her like a little... Like she, why would she, Matt was like, why would she be strong? How would she know how to fight? Uh, Matt, your, Matt, your husband. My husband. Yes. I'm sorry. (laughs) Um, Okay. She escapes probably on a motorcycle and goes back to Frankie to warn him that he might be in danger and that she has to free the other prisoners. Frankie reveals he has been seeing someone who might be able to help and they work in the IT department. Charlie is now walking back from the lot to Frankie's house when she sees another ghostly figure of General Stevens. She follows it, no longer afraid. It's really him, and he's ready to take her down. And I think this scene would be fun to take place on the set of, like, a very lighthearted sitcom or um, I'm trying to figure out, like, I want, like, flowers and, like, pillows and cute Mm. colors and bedding and stuff Mm. Um, because... Another fight scene, but just her and General Stevens. And it's very bloody, brutal, like Kill Bill vibes. I want it gory and disgusting. And he takes the pocket knife she used to stab him in one of the first scenes when she dropped it. And um, and the end of the scene starts to slit her throat. But somehow she gets the knife back and takes out his eyeball. <laughs> then out of pity, <laughs> she finishes him off. <laughs> But she finishes him off. You know, she's she's a nice girl. Um, <laughs> yeah. As she's, I'm almost done, just so you know. As she's leaving that set, she looks up outside and sees a sign that says the good place. The next scene, more inmates are watching the projection screen and doing their duties. Suddenly, one pops up that says, laugh outrageously, dot, 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 read quickly. At 4 p.m., rush the southern corridor. I'll be waiting. 4 p.m. hits and the prisoners make a run for it. Charlie's at the end of the hallway with General Stevens' eyeball in her hand to keep the latch open for everyone. She's already doused the corners of the corridor with gasoline, and as soon as everyone is in the hatch and the guards are running down, she strikes a match, tosses it and the eyeball into the flames, and the hatch closes. 
Everyone runs out of the garage. People are staring. This is too big a story to keep under wraps. Too many people know the truth now. Police rush the NBC studios. Sterling is getting escorted out. Charlie becomes the head of the network and makes Frankie her number two. In the last scene, we see Charlie and Frankie heading out for lunch. Frankie makes a dumb joke and Charlie laughs out of pity and not necessity. They look at each other in sweet amusement. The joke was about Charlie paying for lunch. Frankie drops his wallet on the desk as they exit and you see Frankie's last name is Sterling. Blackout. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. Love it. Congratulations. That was fantastic. Thank you. A couple of vodka sodas and I can write a whole thing. (laughs) I think that's how it's done. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And that was, I mean, that was significantly fleshed out as well. So, I I mean, did you go much further with, because you told me you had, uh, you told us you had a few other ideas. Did you go down fleshing those out as well? Or was this the one that grabbed a hold of you over the other? No, this was the one that grabbed a hold of me. I have like, yeah, the other ideas are, I have three other ideas, but it's just like, those are, I guess, log lines, but this mm, this mm. just got really fun. <laughs> yeah, because <laughs> we did go through a journey with you. You definitely took us I on a journey. I hope so. I hope you followed along. You really had to keep your mind open. Um, you know, and your, your eyes open as well. Your in eyes. case somebody comes yeah. at you with a with a box cutter or whatever. Yeah, yeah. So is this a movie that you would want to see? Because sometimes we have people pitch movies that they were like, oh, I would hate this movie, but this is what they would make in Hollywood. Is this the sort of movie you would like to go and see? Um, I would. I would love to star in a movie like this. Right, okay. <laughs> I think that it has every aspect. And I and I wanted to make it clear that in the beginning, you really do feel like it's a sci-fi action thriller. Like mm. everything is just whatever. Um, yeah, and like, then hand, once... like sort of Handmaid's Tale meets the island sort of thing. That's, that's yes. the sort of vibes I was getting at the start. Great. I'm so glad that came across. Yes. Um, and then once, like, as soon as that retractable garage door comes up and you see that she's on, like, a Hollywood lot, mm. it, like, like, my soundtrack, it's all Hollywood songs, but I wanted... Um, L.A. Woman by The Doors or like even Hollywood mm. Swinging by Cool and the Gang, mm-hmm. like something really mm-hmm. fun. So it just like you're like, yeah. where are we? Because I, mm. it's like, um, you know how Cabin in the Woods? Did you guys see yes. Cabin in the Woods? Great film. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So that's I wanted Drew Goddard to to direct it just for that. It, you just Fantastic. didn't even remember like where you were in yeah. the movie. And so especially for the actors and I'm sure for everyone else involved, I think it would be really fun to play with different genres and get to do everything. Essentially there's action, sure. there's no sure. love. And that's really a shocker from me because I love mm-hmm. romance. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Was there romance in any of the other ideas you came up with? Yeah. I think all three of the other ones are like rom-coms. <laughs> I see what I love that. I love that. And then you thought you sort of took, you're an actress. So it's, so you've sort of taken some of your experiences and you've gone, okay, you know what? Here's a part of me, the rom-com side. I'm going to park that. Here's another yeah. side of me. Here's the, here's the go. side of me. Yeah. I'm going to go for this side of me. I'm going to go for yeah, the dark exactly. side. Exactly. Let's challenge myself. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I love the idea that they've been lying to us as a live studio audience all this time. And it's actually a captured studio audience the whole time. That's, I that's did brilliant. too. Yeah. Excellent. And I thought like canned, you could feel mm-hmm. like yeah. prison or, you know, like, yeah. Uh, yeah. Also, also in terms of her learning the fight scenes, maybe that's some of the, there must be some, uh, comedy episodes or even some of the things she's watched that have fight scenes in it 
So like, because you can add the comedy to that. Like when she's fighting, she yeah. actually does like Ross's karate. <gasps> oh, I love that things, idea. You know I mean? like, unagi. She's got her unagi. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, but, but she's learned it from a lot of other things. So, so even though it might be brutal, she's actually, and you could, if you were really clever and wanted to do some massive homage, you could actually take those fight movie moves yes. from each of those mm. and make her do each one of those, which would be extraordinary sort of not tip of the hat wouldn't it mm. right mm. and another yeah like mesh of of genre i love that because it really feels like this is a real reference movie as well because you've got all the different um uh, comedies that we're walking through yeah but that she she would communicate with those wouldn't she she would communicate with lines that she knew i imagine yes and and so we could use those out of context to for for com- comedic effect or for or to tip it on its head and become quite sort of threatening. Yeah. I like it. Mm. Love it. Oh, Love I'm it. so glad. It's such a brilliant idea. And because uh, we've all seen different <laughs> types of sitcoms, we've all experienced canned laughter, right? Um, this mm-hmm. notion that absolutely what you were saying, Dan, as well, like it just reframes everything you've grown up watching. And then you sort of actually think about the notion of canned laughter, which can be quite manipulative. You know, sometimes it's used to great effect, but sometimes it's quite manipulative. And sometimes you listen back. They have those YouTube videos, don't they, where they have like Ross talking to his friends without a laugh track, or yes. they have the Big Bang Theory without a laugh track, right? Yeah. What are you gonna <laughs> say? It's, not, it's not funny. One of my personal yeah. favorites is is they put some people have spliced together the Tidus's laugh from Final Fantasy X, which is one of the worst canned laughs I've ever heard in my entire life, um, <laughs> and they've just put it over like TV shows like that, and it was so painfully awkward and funny and cringy that it just worked yeah but it just proves that like by putting the incorrect canned laughter over something it completely Mm. changes what it is Mm. so the fact that this corporation nbc has uh, has sort of (laughs) there's actually a whole load of things there's the science behind exactly which kind of laughter and how have they collected Mm. all those different kinds from them and how who's matching them up you know someone's complicit in the fact that they are artificially creating people someone's laughs mm-hmm. and then having to match it with the correct sort of right. uh, sitcom and scene and i think that that in itself is a bit sinister uh, just thinking yeah. about it definitely definitely and so this twist absolutely this sort of sinister uh the, the film starts quite sinister and then has this twist um would you show that in the marketing so this sort of twist that goes like you know exposes the world for what it is this this as she moves through Hollywood comedies or she starts to enter into the real life. Would you show that, Ali, would you show that in any of the marketing? Is this the sort of thing that that blows so, that to get people to, to watch it or? I, I, I think what would be most effective when I was thinking about a, a poster for it is, uh, actually my husband came up with it, but I'll take credit, um, <laughs> is either a, a line of the inmates chained up, but you can, you, no one's recognizable. There's no like, celebrity on there um and or it's just a close-up of a person like with like either a muzzle or something and you can see that they're watching a projection and maybe in the projection it says like laugh or cry or you Mm. know so it's actually hopefully it would draw an audience because people are like what is this yeah 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 (laughs) sure so you sort of bring the element of candle after and you bring the sort of element of um the them being under duress but you would you would not show in the marketing or in the trailers the the sort of the twist in the second half of the, the comedy yeah i want it to come off as a horror oh yeah okay okay well, in the marketing you want it to, yeah. 
get them in on something and mess them up the other side. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, because even even though it does turn into like a fun comedy and there are some really comedic scenes, I think that the the line all the way through is like there is a violent aspect to it with the Kill Bill scenes even, you know. Mm. Um, but then who knows, because that might really distract an audience, you know, they might feel a little overwhelmed. But that's okay. But maybe that's, that's good. the idea. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. So I, yeah. It's good to I overwhelm them sometimes, isn't it? Go on, Ryan. I have a question in terms of format. So we described it in as a film, but if you take Westworld for, for an example, the first mm. season of that is obviously set, and then they, after that first season, they sort of break out into the court. So could this work as a TV show? Like, could you have the first season of her doing all the stuff in the sort of, in the dystopian world, and then the final scene of that is the, gar- is the garage door opening and then stepping out, and then us as the audience are like, what? And then you just leave it at that, and then that's yeah. sort of how you you could build it up over that. So yeah, would it work as a TV show? I I think so. I mean, I I yeah, I wrote it as a movie, but especially even the ending of it could lead to a, a different season, or you know, mm. um, I mean, if you want to pay me enough, I'll I'll make it, I'll make it whatever you want. <laughs> I'll write twelve episodes. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. I wanted to touch. Uh, actually, on some of those, the actor choices, actors and actresses choices, choices that you made, Great. amazing choices. What sort mm-hmm. of led you to pick those people? Um, so Zessie and I actually used to work in a coffee shop together. And I think right. that she's just the best. She's the best person. But I I've wanted like a young actress who's capable of doing action, comedy, drama. Mm, mm -hmm. right and I think that you saw if you did see Deadpool 2 like she has the comedy and the action and the Joker Mm -hmm. you can see the drama Um, and I think that she's not used enough in the industry Mm -hmm. I just like her a lot Um, yeah definitely and and when you see her in Atlanta she brings that ground like a real grounded quality it's so tough as an actor it's so hard to bring like this grounded quality into your work yeah totally Totally. And, you know, people like to work with her for that reason, I think, mm-hmm. you know, she's she's grounded. Um, so John I know Malkovich, John Malkovich yeah. well, yes. Um, and I know Gwendolyn Christie, um, which I'll circle back to. Um, I don't yeah. know Bowen Yang. So can you? Oh, yeah. I mean, Yang he's from? he's um, he, he's on SNL. Um, uh, he was in the movie with Rebel Wilson. Isn't it romantic? Uh-huh. Um, so he does a lot of comedy. I met him for the first time when I was working at UCB. We're, we're not friends or anything. I just think that he's really funny mm. and I wanted to give that whole Hollywood comedy, um, yeah. like, yeah. and I'm tired, you know, not not really, but we're tired of seeing the same actors in the same roles. I'd like to yeah, see sure. some, some new blood, yeah, yeah, you know? Yeah. Sure, yeah, sure. sure. And comedians, they, they uh, when they're given a chance to do drama, they're often, uh, usually they're incredibly surprising, incredibly good at it. You know, and right. I think it's so, so if you can do comedy, you can do drama. That's the adage, isn't it? It's sort of, yeah. You know, so, so yeah, that would be exciting to see. Yeah. Yeah. And I've never seen him do a drama, but I mean, taking his, obviously I'd want him to focus more on the comedy, but especially if he had a really dramatic scene, that would be sure, sure. juicy. <laughs> and Gwendolyn Christie. <laughs> so I did, so you said um, that she was a powerful man. What was, okay. Initially, because you glossed over that quite fast, so I was interested in like the yeah. What was what I did? Well, initially, I um, I put Jack Nicholson in that role, Mm, Um, just because white old fat man, you know, reeks, (laughs) you know, uh, you know, that's perfect. Um, 
But the more I sat on it, I was like, wouldn't it be great to have a powerful woman who, much like Charlize Theron and Monster, with prosthetics and, you know, Mm. I think um, Gwendolyn, she just brings such, I've only seen her in Game of Thrones, full transparency, Mm -hmm. but she brought such a, a dimension of, of power and uh, like fearlessness and um, yeah, that's yeah. what I need. That's what I need from that part yeah. and like ruthlessness, yeah. you know? Mm-hmm. And such a, I don't want to say the word stature, but not, not, not due to a height, she's just so yes. um, gravitas. Present. Mm. gravitas. Yes. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, you can't ignore her. Mm. That's exactly it. Yeah, that yeah. That is exactly it. So yeah, yeah after I, you know, I. I'm going to bring up Matt again. But once I talked to my husband and I was like, this doesn't sitting with me just for some reason. Mm, and um, mm. we were tossing around ideas and yeah, it was a, I think she's the perfect, perfect fit. I think there's not, there's not a writer or, or creator um, in any industry that doesn't consult their partner, even if it's to hear, right. you know, what they don't yeah. like or what they do like. There's like, I, th- yeah. I like that. It's a necessary part, I think, of yeah. sort of floating an idea. I also, because the name is Smith Sterling, which I think that Smith is a very gender neutral name, mm-hmm. um, I thought it would be interesting to kind of play with that in the actual script and dialogue that people continue to assume that Smith Sterling is a man, but once they mm-hmm. meet him, mm-hmm. it's, you know, they're like, oh, God's, you know. Yeah. Just, mm-hmm. you know. Oh, well, yeah, right. That, that okay. Unconscious bias. Exactly. As well, exactly. Yeah. exactly. I, thought, yeah. I thought you sort of meant that. Um, that Gwendolyn Christie is as Smith Sterling was was a woman but she made herself look like a man and nobody were any the wiser so sort of the way I remember there was a video a while ago of Ruby Rose who sort of then yes she sort of um took off all of her makeup and and sort yes. of put on a suit and she has that sort of quite very deconstructional isn't it yeah and that's what I thought you meant I thought it was sort of like that no one actually knew she was a woman Oh, I kind of like that idea too. You no, know, put on a man's voice, you know, as you said, it has that can't be ignored in that room. Is that ruthless? Yeah. And people to people... sort of play on the the necessity that people have to have a, a white male in power. Yeah, yeah. and they then they wouldn't take it otherwise. And then Charlie, I don't know, somehow figures out or finds out or sees that her. In some way. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. As... I really like that. And then I think you maybe in you... the fight. <gasps> maybe Ooh. in the fight. Oh, yeah. <laughs> It would be, I mean, like, like, I'm going to be crass, but it would be the bit where she goes to, like, punch him in the dick. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. There. And that's, yeah. that's when it's sort of like, it would be something like that. Yeah. Or like, you know, the wig comes off or the, the you know, the, the, the smear of the prosthetics. Mm-hmm. Like, in fact, that's quite horrific if you're fighting someone in an action movie and, you know, you don't expect the nose to come off, right? And then I there'd be something that. else underneath, you know? That's, yeah, that'd be a horrific image. And then they yeah. sort of almost look like a Terminator that's sort of devolving, like this sort of, yeah, they've got skin on top of their skin or something. God, that's That's horrific. so Hollywood that everyone is just like so masked and guarded and, you know, it says a lot about mm-hmm. the industry. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What do you do at that point? What do you do at that point in that fight? Like if the nose comes off and you realize that somebody is not who they are, you know, is there a part of you that stops that fight, or is there a part of you that wants? Well, to they gain the upper more? hand, or don't just, they? The other person just... would gain the upper hand with that that shock and surprise, right? That so then um, Sterling would would gain the upper hand. It is Sterling, isn't it? Sorry. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 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 Sterling. So then, yeah. then Sterling would gain the upper hand for momentarily, and that would almost be part of it, wouldn't it? Because Sterling's appearance and and altering their appearance is to gain the upper hand. 
So right. then in the fight, when that's mm -hmm. deconstructed, they gain the upper hand again. Yeah. So there's wow, and that's how she that's how she gets captured. Maybe she has to run away at that point, or, or gets yeah. right, right. Because obviously Charlie doesn't kill her. You know, she just mm. escapes. Mm. Mm. Yeah, you guys. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> this is very exciting. Um, yeah. I, I only have one last thing I'd like to talk about. Oh, sorry, Dan. Did you have something? Because I have something. Yeah, I I'd, before you do your one last thing, I'd like to like the the audio was amazing. I love sort of the soundtrack ideas and mm. how we could play into that, have jingles from each of the theme tunes yeah. playing in as well. But is there something even more subversive to do, since this whole thing seems about being subversive underneath it, where there is canned laughter mm -hmm. or oohs and ahs throughout the entire film describing what's going on? So when she gets punched, do we get, ooh, oh. maybe not even loud enough to be obvious, but just weaved into the sort of the... The underbase, the, the the sort of the, the bed that's mm. underneath it. I love so that if you were that. to listen to woven into the soundtrack, yeah. yeah, which gives it that second thing. Oh, is she actually? Is it a Truman Show where she's been let right, out, she... and then she's being watched by the people that were watching her? Like we could go. That's mm. season eight, right? Yeah. So when that happens, does she also hear the ooze and ahs, or is it total mm. background? Well, who knows? We mm. don't know. Mm. I have is to write her? this. <laughs> or maybe it's her pre-programming. She's hearing those things. She's hallucinating those oh, things yes. because that's what she's been pro. But we don't know that. We don't right. know. We're leaving it out. Mm. Right. What could it mm. be? Think let them let them decide on their wiki. To, you know I mean? to touch on that, Dan, I think um, you could do maybe what Mick Gordon did with the Doom mm. soundtrack, where he took sort of noises and then just modulate them all down, and you put them through all these different plugins to make them. So Definitely. we we hear a baseline in the music of the fighting, but actually, if you in the behind the scenes or whatever. Someone it's actually someone just going ooh, and then they've just yeah. made <laughs> that into way. like a baseline. Love it. We're gonna Gorgeous. we're gonna loop that by the way, Ryan. That's gonna be our new theme tune. Ooh. Yeah. Ooh. <laughs> so that's a fantastic idea and and incredibly well fleshed out uh, before it even came to the table. So thanks, Ali. Thank you. Um, but there's one thing I wanted to ask before we move on, and that is yeah. um, space garbage. Can you can you tell us more? Can you just tell us a little bit about that just before we move on? Because I'd that love sounds, to. That sounds fantastic. Um, well, I'm a huge fan of reality TV, um, and with that, I I know that it's garbage and it's probably hurting me in the long run. <laughs> but I love it, and I feel like it would be really and it's obviously very scripted. At least mm -hmm. it has gotten to be now. Mm. So I thought it would be really fun for her to stumble upon this. Basically. Um, soap opera you know mm -hmm. set and and kind of question like is this real and then that's mm. when you know frankie you know her friend is like oh gosh your hair like I, I guess they took more time with you than they did me and then i don't yeah i thought it would just be fun to have a little yeah. soap opera set so this is something we've never done before but i think if we bring you back at some point ali could and we use space garbage as the title will you flesh that out for us, oh please, because we've never had a reality TV show either. So what can you flesh dream. that out for us as a yeah. pitch? And then, so a now we know. Percent. Okay, that would be great. <laughs> well, thanks, Ali. Thanks. <laughs> Thank you. Well, that was a fantastic pitch from Ali. Um, I am looking forward to, uh, and as promised, it was uh, indeed a, a fleshed out idea um, with, without a logline, which I will try and, as I always do, cobble one together based on my notes at the end of an episode just to remind us um but on to dan now dan has you've told us you have a log line and nothing else so i'm excited to hear your log line yeah, basically i mean it's laughter. got a little bit more than that but no so here it is right canned laughter 
Netflix. I'll go for a lot of these Netflix series. There's a Netflix documentary series. Ramesh Ranganathan and James A. Caster go on a search for the perfect joke. They want to bottle the perfect joke. They want to can laughter. And um, <laughs> it's yeah. like a... It's a bro. It's a bromance um, journey where they go and find all the different comedians or comedy styles around the world, and they do their inevitable skits on each of those things. You bastard! You see, I didn't need you any know, more, did I? Uh, listen, that, what you say that yes, I walk into a I walk perfect. into a studio and that's it. Thank you. Bye. Yeah, it's I'll cheap. take my fifty percent. They do this sort of stuff anyway. You just chuck a couple of comedians together and and send them around the world. I mean, it's it's the absolute perfect idea. And what's so annoying is that. You know, Ali, can't laughter. Yours was a shoe in before Dan's. Uh, you know, uh, I, I was expecting another hashtag. Dan was robbed um, mm -hmm. it, because yours was a shoe in before this uh, log line. Yeah, and now, and now um, there we are. That's it. That's it. Netflix executives, I will, I will have that. Thank you very much. Come talk to me about the format. But like, it's it's a little bit, and I wonder whether we could. You know, they will do their inevitable thing. But you know, you remember that Simpsons episode where they. Um, the, the perfect joke that they're trying to remember the perfect. I don't know if you remember this one, but they and someone came up to them and said, You need to talk to these people. And then they go and yes. find the right, right, the place where all the jokes are invented and it gets mm -hmm. burnt down. But that kind of feel they, they could definitely play on that. Do you know what I mean? Like there's some kind of Masonic lodge that they will play into that they as they go and see all of these people. It, but you know, that's them just doing a, a thing rather than it actually being real, unless it is. <laughs> my first question would be how scripted is it because i'm enjoying these uh scripted uh sort of documentary series um john richardson released one recently with him and his partner the romish one where he goes on holiday with his mother these sort of scripted mm -hmm. they're very very highly scripted and you can tell so they actually they actually um cross over with what we're saying with ali's pitch into a bit of reality tv um where they become more scripted rather than uh I don't know, more than like a travel log or more than like sort of um, a, a banter between comedians. It's, it's, it's fully scripted. Rather than just going somewhere and reacting, rather like this, rather like Slash Jeep, there's a lot, <laughs> a lot of just nonsense and reacting. Um, it's very finely tuned. So would you go for a finely tuned uh, docuseries or would you allow the, their comedic sort of flourish? For example, um, uh, before you answer, there was a thing I'm, uh, on YouTube where... Uh, it's uh, James Acaster and and then I'm going to try and remember his name and then we'll cut this bit Ed out. Ed Gamble. Ed, thanks. And Ed Gamble, where they try dessert. So Ed Gamble's diabetic and he can't eat foods, but he, he can't eat uh, desserts uh, without, um, you know, using insulin. Um, and he gets James Acaster to try them. But that's so unscripted that it's glorious. It's amazing. Mm -hmm. They, they mm -hmm. have this... Um, a real genuine friendship and repartee that, that is outside yeah. of the normal scripting... Uh, that you would get from these sorts of shows. So yeah. where would that well, fall I think, down? I, I think that genuinely is probably going to be the love, isn't it? But I, I would imagine for a documentary series like this, that it would, uh, to use like a, a cop-out phrase, it would be both. So what mm. I would imagine is that they go to visit these other comedians or whatever, and they do their bit, they find out about these people, and that is mostly improvised and, you know, working around. Maybe they have interview questions or whatever. But um, after they've done all their craziness, they would then do 
a scripted bit which could be edited in. It'd be a lot of post-production, wouldn't it? It would be, here's the, the crazy situation that we found ourselves in. And then they would do pre-edited scripted bits that would lead into the bit that they had. Like, as if it were seamless, but it was scripted. So I almost see. like they, they at, each, at each place, they're not, they're not just turning up for a day with the film crew. They'll turn up and they'll do their filming and then they'll spend another week post that interview creating it to make it look like it was all improvised, but there's only actually a section that is right. improvised. That makes sense? That's very likely like, to be what they would do, right? That is something, you know, that they would do. Exactly. They, they wouldn't just leave that it both to of chance, them would. You know. No, absolutely. What I quite like about this um, is that in each region of the world, comedy means different things to different people, right? So in the, stereo the stereotypes of that are... The English love deadpan humor. The Americans love laugh out loud. The Japanese love slapstick. So what is the commonality? Is that the sort of thing they're trying to find? What's the commonality between all of these different types of comedy? Mm. And is there something, you know, to use a marketing term, the the, the through line, is that... Mm. Um, is there, is there something in all of these that connects all of them together? Yeah, that's that's a great thing to get to at the end of the season. Like what is, you know, on the journey, they go to a monastery. What is funny to a Buddhist monk? You know, what what, what can they find humor in? You know, yeah, absolutely. Um, what absolutely. is funny, you know, in a Russian gulag? Is that a thing? Can we talk about yeah. gulags? Do they still I mean, exist? It's, it's popular know. to talk about gulags right now. Okay. Um, maybe maybe they get an Englishman, an Irishman, and a Welshman in a pub. Yeah. And to see what would happen. They and, should get you know, every variation of, of that in the different countries. That's so whatever, whatever it is That's in each the country. Hook, isn't it? And they just get them all into one pub. <laughs> so they'd just be like, <laughs> <laughs> That's brilliant. You mean like sort of one sketch episode where they have all of the people in one pub so no, and so they, hearing so, all their so different jokes they're telling to each other? Yeah, so we you have know, moving, an almost like speed dating joke jokes basically. <laughs> well, I just yeah. think maybe if like we if we had like an Englishman, Irishman, a Scotsman, uh, Ali, is there an equivalent in in America? I mean, it's, I think it's the same same joke. Okay. Yeah. I mean, it, so it's it could be nice anything. to know that we're jokes everywhere. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> that's good. Yeah, Englishman, Irishman, Scotsman are jokes. Everywhere. And then, so they get all of those three stereotypes in those mm -hmm. jokes and they get them all in one pub together at the same time so that they're, it, it's some kind of mass comedy and then, could happen. No, and then they're just standing in the middle of this pub, like James A. Kester pulling his face, just looking around, going, <laughs> waiting for the comedy yeah. to happen. Yeah. And no one's doing <laughs> yeah. anything. It's just... And Ramesh Ranganathan does his deadpan look to, to, the, to the camera. He's like... <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, for, the, for the listeners at home, itself, doesn't it? Yeah. For the listeners at home, uh, Dan tried to do the lazy eye thing, but couldn't do it. So. I did not. We're not going to put that in the edit. <laughs> he didn't do the lazy eye. He didn't. So, 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 okay. and Ramesh has it. He's a very deadpan, but he has that fieriness in him, doesn't he? And James yeah. Acaster is very sort of uh, languid and relaxed, isn't he? Yeah. Surreal, surreal. His repertoire um, yeah. series on Netflix is just extraordinary. Honestly, and you yeah. can watch it multiple times for to see different things in it. I'm currently reading his book, Hey James, I Want to Cut, um, <laughs> Perfect Sound, whatever. And he is just beautiful in that. It's funny, it's tragic, it's heartfelt, and it mm. is intelligent and really just clever. I mean, mm. I, I would highly recommend that book. He is, well. he is really, really part of a new wave of um, British comedians, isn't he? Um, mm -hmm. He really is part of that movement, um, and I've got I've got it on audiobook waiting because it's about um, 
his favorite albums during a period of time, right? Or the albums during yeah. a period of time. 2016. During a difficult time in his life, right? Mm. 2016 being the, the best year for music of all time, mm. which is really interesting. And I believe him and Ramesh have like a, they have like a camaraderie anyway, along with like Ed Gamble and some of the others. So, uh, because they're in that same circle. So it would be lovely to see them because mm. their comedy styles are so mm. different. Yeah. That and And because James kind of plays like this, like puppy type things, like excitable puppy. And Ramesh is like this hard, weary, beaten, exhausted, <laughs> yeah. like old uncle. Yeah. They yeah. would just play so well against each other. So that, so that leads me to ask, like, did you have anyone else beforehand that you had in mind for... Um, it, honestly, for the, as the soon as I thought of this, I thought the they, they were the first two names that jumped. I, I was ready to spend some time on this one. I know I don't normally, I was ready to spend <laughs> some time. And I, I started off thinking like some dystopian stuff and then I thought, you know what, I, I, I've done a couple of dystopian things. And, and then this came in my brain and as soon as I had it, as I was pouring the tea and I was making it, I went, you're done, done. Why do I bother? Why do I bother to prepare? <laughs> let's move because on to something else. Yeah. Let's move on to something else next. Thanks. All right. I want to just say that maybe the final episode has to be in North Korea. Finding out what comedy is in North Korea. Don't you think? Wow. Have I just, I'm sorry, did I just go too hard on this? Did I just go too serious? No, I mean, I imagine it's the kind of thing that they would want to do. And I imagine, like, it could be a long-running series. They probably want to keep it short, but they, uh, inevitably Netflix would see the, the money in this and, and go mm. with it. Um, but it could be a genuine sort of travel or making, making them go round almost every nation and find what's going on. Yeah. Because don't they love this sort of stuff? Like where they pretend like they're being hunted by the secret police and like on every corner they're there while they're trying to get jokes and stuff. Oh, they, they love this oh, stuff they'd absolutely shows, shoot that. Yeah, they would. And it wouldn't be, they wouldn't Chased be in across any the border, at all. right? And stuff like that. Yeah, 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 so you yeah, have yeah. all of that sort of rife, rife you know, for, for an entire episode yeah. of that. Um, and then you get great, then you get to look back at great jokes in sitcoms and in and in um, sketch shows that are themed, for example, on spies or mm -hmm. on um, sort of different nations and you know yes minister and other sorts of things like that. Um, and then on certain other episodes, so cultural jokes can be explored in the English Irishman and Scotsman episode. And mm -hmm. so then you have a chance to to look at different jokes that have succeeded in different countries. So and then at the end of each episode, they have James and Romish delivering a joke or skit based on what they've learnt that week about what is funny, right? Brilliant. And so, and it, and uh, always, so it's, it's history, it's teaching you history of jokes, it's teaching you culture and nationality, it's this uh, sort of shared global feeling of, mm -hmm. of laughter, being joy, being the most mm -hmm. um, connected thing. And then at the end, James A. Caster tells a joke and Romesh looks down the camera like it's the worst thing that's ever yeah. happened. Yeah. And, <laughs> Roll and to, credits. And to complement that, every episode where they do that skit or that sketch or those jokes, it's with the an audience of all the people they've encountered in that yeah, episode. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. So if they went yeah. to a prison, a Russian prison, for example, to yeah. find out what's funny in a Russian prison, it's it, it they're doing it at it's the prison the, and it's all the prisoners. And maybe James tells one and Romesh tells one and they have to decide which is the funniest or something. Do you know what I mean? So there's this like competition camaraderie between them both and there's a family episode of course where they go back to uh, Northampton where uh, James Acaster's from or they you know they they go to Ramesh's sort of fairly famous family at this point and they have a family episode where they have to tell their yeah. fa popular family jokes to the other family of of you know like James Acaster's family Love you know it. that's it yeah. that's 12 episodes we've got out of this right sure oh a thousand percent hmm.
I'm sold. Well, that's that's <laughs> canned laughter on Netflix, available in 2021, actually, at this rate. <laughs> About this time, uh, we've had a couple of fantastic pitches, one from Dan, one from Ali. Um, it's about this time that I remind the audience what happens to the winning pitch. So at the end of today's episode, I will select my favorite. There's no set criteria. It's the one that resonates the most with me in the moment. So when you're, when you're playing with three fantastic pitches, as, as they have always been, um, the, the criteria is more nebulous. It's more esoteric. Um, but I will be picking my winner at the end of the episode. And what happens is every six episodes, so we'll have just released one actually, every six episodes we have a heat and we bring an adjudicator on. So that will be an industry professional or somebody with a vested interest in the arts or media. And they will weigh in on the six ideas that uh, I picked as winners over the last six episodes. And So there'll be 24 titles which are going to whittle down to four via the heats. And then you, the audience, can vote on two wild cards which will bung in at the end. And that leaves six in the final. From those six, there can be only one. Exactly. And Ryan, what happens with that one? Tell the audience what happens with that one final winner at the end of 24 episodes. We immortalize it forever as a trailer. <laughs> yes, exactly. For all to see, for all involved to be mortally embarrassed. Um, so I'm very excited. And there's, they've been, I've had, there's two strong contenders so far as well. Um, two very strong contenders. I think uh, so. <laughs> <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> puppy dog, the puppy dog eyes now. Um, <laughs> Two, two, uh, two strong contenders, and I'm looking forward to your dupe, uh, Ryan. Um, we'll go easy on you uh, as the dupe today, Ryan. Give us your ideas, give us your pitch as the dupe, and then we'll hear some of Ali's uh, uh, backup ideas. Oh, I forgot about that. <laughs> Thank you, Sean. So, as per usual, and not to be outdone by Ali, I did have a couple of ideas while knocking around. Uh, the first one was the idea of like a grocery store or a Tesco's and all the dumb stuff that happens in there, that idea of like canned laughter, sort of playing on the uh, crashing, the title crashing, um, sort of being about the hospital. So I thought maybe that. Then the second idea I had an idea of was what if the Joker actually killed Batman and he sort of became this big supervillain and he released something called canned laughter, sort of like the way Ivan Ooze made the ooze in the Power <laughs> Rangers film. It's Power that sort of thing. It's like something that he sells that, uh, you know, criminals love and people are like, I really focused on an idea and it sort of borrows from what Dan was uh, mentioning, but the idea behind canned laughter would be a group of Canadian stand-up comedians who are traveling across Canada and hitting different clubs. They're all traveling in one RV and they're all hitting different clubs uh, and doing their stand-up sets. Uh, so the can being Canadian um, mm. and then the sort of canned, <laughs> the cannedness of it, of them all sort of jammed into this one RV together. Uh, the vehicle, uh, yeah. All having to go along. Mm. And I sort of, I began to sort of look at this idea and sort of flesh it out. I like the idea that a lot of the dialogue will probably be improvised because they are, they would be, we get some stand-up comedians um, who have the capacity to act as well. So they would be going along this journey and it's sort of half scripted in the sense of, you know, there has to be a story told here. But I think actually at the at the comedy clubs they go to, it should be their actual stand-up sets. Mm. And it will actually be maybe handy cam mm, okay. style shot or it will be, you know, set up but in these areas and it may be real people as well. And then... There's a Seinfeld vibe there or something. So they're in between, there is a real sort of actual stand-up set. I think you will have a few that are set up. 
um, because you have to have certain beats. So one of the beats I put, for example, is if they are halfway through this journey, one of the comedians in the RV doesn't actually get put on the bill for this particular comedy set. So he sits at the back and he gets drunk or she gets drunk and then they start ruining punchlines. Um, mm. And this, the, the, I guess the never ending hunt for like comedy or, or jokes, you know, are you always writing, are you always trying to find stuff? Where are you looking for your comedy? Um, maybe the idea that someone in the RV messes up or does something really stupid and then everyone's like, that'd be a hilarious joke. And then what they have to do is they can't all use that same material because they're all traveling. So they have to actually like pitch it. They're like, right, this is how I'm going to tell the story and this is how I'm it's going to go. And or is it going to be the race? The first person gets put in the bill, gets to tell the story, and then the people have got to scratch it off. Or do, some, do people start stealing each other's material because like, they can't think of something? Or they know that mm. someone mm. in the previous in the previous club they went to had a great joke which made everyone laugh. And then when this person, their set is bombing, and so they then steal that joke and start to tell it to try and get some laughs. You know, So what's that dynamic um, going on? I think it made me think about... So uh, Jay Moore and uh, Brett Kreischer have... They both tell the same story about Tracy Morgan, um, about about like getting drunk in a club where he fights, he like racks up this massive bill um, and then he starts fighting everyone, gets thrown out. And the punchline is, you know, that's how you get away with paying like a million dollar tab. Um, but neither one of those two actually mentioned <laughs> that the other person were was there. So how does that work in terms of sharing a joke, in terms of sharing a story, who gets to tell it? And I just think that's, that'd, be, that'd be quite interesting um mm. and i just i just want to throw in that like i i think that there's something in that for for if not um a portion of the film or an episode depending on what it's going to go for but mm. you have this notion of the same story being told by five or six different comedians so actually yeah it it, it takes on a whole new form even yeah. within comedy itself yeah um yeah. and and each of their own styles tells the story to their own audience that's definitely like a something that so you get that like, unreliable narrator thing don't you where... exactly yeah 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 and whose whose line of truth is it actually does someone actually mm, tell the story line is it anyway, is it anyway? <laughs> but who who tells the truth in that like maybe the person who actually tells the truth because it was funny to those particular five people they tell it mm. exactly how it was and nobody else laughs and then the person that mm. really embellishes it gets the most amount of laughs Mm. Um, I no, think it can say a lot about what audience, you know, audience expectations in comedy as well. Yeah, definitely. Um, sorry, right? Is this a film with stand-up comedians that are actors, and it is a written film, or is it a docu film? I had the same question. I, I think it is a. It's not a docu film. So that, that's where it gets interesting because I think that the stand-up portions, because we all see like the stand-ups on Netflix, they're all professionally shot. You know, yeah. they, that has to sort of be be somewhere. So I think that maybe you have the bits like the, where we, like I said, someone messed up or they, um, or just them being in the RV together. Like that's actually a group of people. That's actually the actors and that's scripted. But then the stand-up sets are just recorded because these comedians would have all their own material, right? So I, I like the idea of uh, Dan. I'm pretty sure. So Dan's as a musician. I'm pretty sure you've been. Um, so you go, oh, you musician. I'll play something then, or sing me something then. Like when you talk to people in yeah. public, and it's probably the same thing as a stand-up comedian. I'll tell us a joke then, but yeah. that's not really, yeah. you know, 
I'm sure Dan, to which your responses will pay me and I'll do it. But um, <laughs> but the, but the, it, but it it's that is, right. Yeah, I, it's, I mean, like it's it's that sort of life you know if you tell someone you're a stand-up comedian the first thing people are going to ask you is tell me a joke uh obviously going around in the media um currently is you know where does the where is the line drawn in in comedy mm. is somebody constantly changing their material to stay relevant to be woke like how does that work um mm. in See, this that's group? the hook for me to, to for, if it was to be made now that's what's interesting because you have uh regardless of all of our own personal politics you have um sort of the radical left and the radical right and they both have differing opinions on what can and can't be put forward in comedy and in yeah. sort of public forums like twitter and other sorts of things so there's a fascinating discussion can occur throughout uh, the film or the tv series um on on that subject and that is quite interesting at the moment because what, the one you know, with Romus Ranganathan and James Acaster. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Just dropping that. Just, just, just read, just, uh, um, just crashing my pitch. Thanks, Dan. Um, the number two winner, <laughs> uh, second place, Silver Now. You know, I, I watched um, <laughs> I watched AJ and the Queen on um, on Netflix recently with with RuPaul, and you know, it was fa- I, I loved that that journey that they went through, and you know, I watched Upright as well, which is mm. is you know was fantastically written and like quite depressing as well but the journey is is you know it's that sort of age-old thing right it's the journey not the destination all that stuff but the idea of sort of that road trip um is quite interesting and especially in aj and the queen he goes to all these different clubs Mm. to be ruby um and and how you know um ruby's known in these different clubs and to the other um performers it's really quite interesting. And so that would be nice. Some comedians may be known, may be recognized. And there's a lot of, there's a lot that can be made fun of here. Um, You know, a comedian that doesn't just Mm. like, doesn't say much, but just comes out with like absolute zingers. The person who writes puns, um, I cannot think of his name, but there's, there's comedians who just sort of write in ad libs. Um, Mm. Milton, Milton something. Milton Jones. Milton Jones, he's a comedian that just writes an ad-lib. So he might not be saying much, but just comes up with all these great punchlines. And you have the different styles of comedy in there as well. Mm. So is this as much about the sort of the the makeup, the clown behind the makeup than it is about sort of the jokes themselves? So we're looking at sort of the tragedy of of the, the stand-up comedians as they're going along. So it's a film about that rather than mm. the jokes themselves, you know, and the way, like the way they work together because a lot of a lot of comedians do work in circles don't they they end up yeah. in the same circuits they end up getting to be friends and and some are friends and some quite obviously aren't even as you see them on panel shows over here and how they <laughs> dig friendly at each other or dig horrible at each other yeah. and you can tell the difference and so is it about sort of the, the tears of a clown style like seeing them behind the scenes i think it is and the fact that they have to all muck in and share this like they're all trying to make it right so they all need to help each other maybe they some of the canned laughter stuff is they're just like look i need you tonight like there's a rep coming um i need you guys in the audience tonight to just laugh outrageously at the things i say to make me look good for this guy or girl um and that you sort know, of social contract, you can explore that social mm. contract between performers and audiences as well in, in that sort of, you know, that sort of theme is quite interesting. 
it's 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 just interesting. I think it's an interesting exploration. It's journey. It's where do you where are you constantly finding material? Um, is it a pain? Does somebody get writer's block? Does someone have to tailor their experiences? It sort of does, as you said, Dan. It's it is the, the tears of a clown. It's peeling back that side of comedy. You know, funny people sort of did it, but made it really depressing. <laughs> so that's well, yeah, yeah, they did. That's my question to you because because um, when you were talking about behind the curtain, I was thinking. Um, I really love the short-lived Aaron Sorkin TV show called Studio 60 on the Sunset Strip, and it deals with basically the making of and the behind-the-scenes of, in every department, of uh, a Saturday Night Live-style show. Um, it didn't quite do it in the way that um, 30 Rock did, but it did it in a, in a way that was was much more sort of dramatic. Um, so is it going to be something like that, like a Duplass Brothers sort of... Uh, TV show. They did something with Amanda Peet recently that's really good. I can't remember the title of it, but it's like one of these sort of almost, you know, these dramedies as a TV show. Or is it going to be like a a film like a Judd Apatow film, like Funny People or King of Staten Island or something? It it has the I think it has the potential to be a Judd Apatow. Um and that's because there are parts of it that are very much scripted, you know, like the guy asking, Oh, you're a comedian, tell me a joke. And maybe that getting a bit sinister, like someone being like, nah, man, it's it's mm. you know, it's my job, like I'm not gonna do it. And they getting a bit annoyed because they won't tell them a joke. Like that sort of stuff would be scripted. Okay. Maybe they maybe they all share the same agent and that agent is on the trip with them as well. That's mm. fun. Who would you cast That's for that? Interesting. Oh, I don't know. I see. I haven't got around to. I haven't thought about casting. I like the idea of maybe it would be a whole bunch of up and comers, right? Because then it's a bit meta right? at this point because it would be them actually sort of auditioning for a show. Them actually trying to get their comedy out there, and then the public yeah. essentially is like, "Ah, oh, episodes two and three had like some of the best stand-up comedy I've ever seen," um, or or what? So that might be that would be interesting. I think to to just yeah. get a bunch of unknowns to and people who want to try and break into the scene. That's a great idea. So before I uh, recap our three fantastic ideas for canned laughter and uh, pick a winner for this episode, um, I just want to thank uh, Rowan the Redbeard Kelly. He um, he was one of the first people, uh, when, back when we had a Facebook uh, group as opposed to a page, uh, Rowan was one of the first people to uh, give us his idea for Bob Disposal. So what he did is he actually commented on the group um, and I didn't want it to get lost. I just wanted to thank him personally because um, the reason why we set up Slash Deep is, is we love hearing other people's pitches, other people's ideas. Um, and uh, to hear um, some fans and to hear people that are listening to the, the podcast actually be uh, sparked off, to have their creativity sparked off and, and come up with their own ideas uh, and then sort of put that out there um, was, was really wonderful and really humbling. And it sort of just reinforced why we actually like doing this. Um, so yeah, I just wanted to thank you, Rowan. Um, he, his idea was fantastic. And what we'd like to do at some point is actually get him on the podcast to, to go over his idea um, uh, in person uh, alongside, um, hopefully, a, a another typer as well. Um, but it was, it was regarding Bob Disposal, it was that the, the log line would be, um, and I'm just cobbling this together from memory, so feel free to jump in there at any point, um, anyone. It's uh, a... a a garbage man, a, a, a guy driving a, a rubbish truck, um, he picks up a suspicious package during his, his route um, and he gets a phone call that says that if he doesn't do everything that he's told to do by the other person on the phone, then the package will detonate. So it's one of these sort of like... And uh, there was more packages in the neighbourhood as well. 
So we had so so it's not just against the clock and having to do all these sort of Simon says type things. He actually had to um, prevent further uh, sort of atrocities and collect these packages. Yeah, it, it was a, it was a really fantastic. And he's he's he wrote quite a detailed sort. He had dialogue. He wrote quite a, a detailed synopsis. Um, so uh, you know, and I and at the time I commented and said that it was a cracking idea, and it's and it's even possibly a contender for a wild card. You see, so if if people are giving us their ideas. In our, you know, we've got a Twitter, a Facebook, um, an Instagram, uh, a Reddit. If people are giving us their ideas uh, for the titles, it may find its way. It may find its way into uh, the finals uh, under a wild card. Um, so thanks for that, Rowan. It's a fantastic idea, um, and we hope that uh, you'll give us uh, some more ideas. And the rest of you guys listening will will um, feel confident enough that when you're sparked off from a title. Um, and you, you're telling the person next to you, or, you, or you're just, you know, running it around your head. You might have the uh, the, the wherewithal to, to throw it up there and let us uh, give you a shout out. That'd be lovely. Right. So I have to do this recap now. There's a little bit of extra pressure on this recap because we've since started to use it just as log lines to to chivy up our memory when we come to the heat every six episodes mm. so this this is actually being sort of recorded if you like and being used again in the next uh uh sort of uh semi-final uh, the next heat this is what so there is a little sounds like when he's scared by the way just so you yeah <laughs> <laughs> i'm just blathering now um come on sean you can do this do these ideas justice? <laughs> right. So, I mean, I, there's no way that I can accurately sum up the, the fantastic, um, robust pitch that we had from Ali. That was fantastic on Canned Laughter. Um, it was a dystopian future. You know, it's, a, it's, it's sort of a handmaid's tale meets the island to start off with. And then what happens is um, uh, the, you find out uh, that the world, their world collapses and you, you, the door opens and you find out that you're in this completely different world entirely. So th- th- these people have been tricked. Um, it, and now it's more like The Village, it's The Truman Show. It's, it's, it turns into something else completely. It moves through different genres. It's a send-up of Hollywood. It's a send-up of, of the manipulation of canned laughter, the whole idea of canned laughter itself. Um, not only that, but it evolves into uh, to, to be this, to have epic fight scenes, to have gruesome moments of of taking people's eyes out i mean it's like it's really it's really got um all of ali's anger has been poured into this idea (laughs) we never asked her about the rom-com ideas either maybe we should have gone with one of those instead but um it has space garbage in it that's what more do you want um and it's but what's what's really wonderful about it is it's it's it really says something about um the way we connect with media and the way that we see hollywood and 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 i think it's it, there's a real depth in there as well as being um gruesome and wonderful and uh, surprising did i do an accurate representation for you Ryan? i'm not touching i'm not touching any of that mate <laughs> if only said ryan has to write two a4 pages as well which is like... yes <laughs> so we um we had a pitch from Dan that was just a log line. It was almost the polar opposite of Ali's idea, but we were really grateful to flesh that out uh, completely uh, between us. Uh, a James A. Caster, Romish Ranganathan uh, travel log type show where actually what they're trying to do is find the perfect joke. And it began like that, but it also broadened into examining comedy itself. Um, it, it, it examines what comedy means to different people in different parts of the world. 
Uh, it, it tackled complex themes, um, but at the same time, it was a little scripted and a little bit, you know, a little sort of, uh, uh, you might have seen it before, but that doesn't mean it's not going to be sold and it's not going to do well and it's not going to make money and it's not going to make 10 seasons. Um, however, I was also interested in whether it goes, I mean, it started as a Netflix idea, but I think you're going to get a bidding war for this kind of thing. I think it's Sky, BBC, like everybody's going to be interested, Channel 4, everybody's going to be interested in this idea. Um, and finally, we had Ryan as the dupe. Uh, Ryan's idea, now, unfortunately, you had me at the Joker killed Batman in one of your ideas you threw away. Um, <laughs> and, I, and I was so busy thinking about how great that would be um, that, uh, that I was trying to figure out when you pitched uh, your, um, your idea for, for Canned Laughter, um, how much is scripted, how much isn't scripted. But then as I thought, as you were going through the idea of um, comedians traveling in an RV, um, uh, through Canada, which is the canned aspect, but also in the RV, which I thought was very clever. Um, was it, you know, I thought, was it, is it too Bob disposal? No, it isn't, because it actually takes more of a direct look at um, how we interact with each other, um, uh, sort of the way an audience interacts with, um, uh, you know, that sort of social contract with a comedian or with a performer. And then it tackles some very, very current themes as well. So rather than taking sort of the, the, the more sort of um, uh, generalized idea of family like Bob disposal, uh, and this sort of road trip, it actually takes more of a look at what 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 is acceptable in comedy, and then what you know, how far can you go, uh, and how far will you go, um, in, in order to get laughs, and or in order to make the idea of making someone else laugh your career, which is also something quite bizarre if you think about it, but but then also quite human. Um, so I, so that was a fantastic idea. They're all three really sort of genuinely brilliant ideas. Um, this is a real tough one because canned laughter has quite obvious places to go and then everybody took it in a very different direction, which is fantastic. And, and not having an idea myself for canned laughter is, is it's a very unusual feeling. Um, but I would hate, I would hate for anyone at home, not that they would ever think this or for anyone currently to think that I would be picking it because of puppy dog eyes, because as we all know, Dan has the biggest brownest puppy dog eyes <laughs> mm -hmm. and I, and I never pick him. So I'm, I'm, I'm quite, I'm quite hard um, to please. Uh, but, I think it's it's not just because I butchered the pitch, um, the synopsis just now, but I think it's there was a genuine uh, moment that you know you might hear it on the podcast, but you can definitely see it while we're recording. Where when the twist happened in Ali's pitch for for Canned Laughter, we all reacted. That that twist, it it was a great idea anyway, and then you pop that twist in there, and it's and it just doubles the quality of the idea. Um, and then bringing it back to the canned laughter in uh, in sitcoms, but in a way that is really unique, was something I, I honestly could never think of. Um, and it was would be without a shadow of a doubt the sort of thing that I would watch and then talk to people about and tell people to watch. So I'm going to pick your idea, Ali. You're saying laughter. I won? Yes, I am. Yeah. A lot of the, my roundabout way, I am. <laughs> so yeah. Oh, I'm so um, happy. Yeah, it was fantastic. Glad you are, Ali. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Hashtag Dan was robbed. To be fair, you put in more effort than all of us put together, so that's fine. Yeah. <laughs> oh, this day could not get better. <laughs> but yeah, really genuinely, I mean, I think everyone at home would be able to tell as well that like you, we can always tell when an idea comes from a really personal place. You know, it really, it really, you know, it, it, it's it comes out from the the the. The, either the light or the darkness inside of you, it comes out. And I feel like this is an explosion of both, isn't it? You know, it has the, the, the second half, which 
losing to comedy in the first half, which is dystopia. And I think, can yeah, I can thing. I then maybe assist Ali in your idea? Laugh, cry, laugh, escape. Ooh, mm. oh, yeah, I love it. That's a great. That's a great Sold. idea for yeah for a, for a, for a trailer line or a, or, a, or a poster line. I love it. I'll give you five percent. <laughs> that's quite a lot. That is quite a lot. <laughs> you might want to give them less for that. <laughs> Ali, it's it's a fantastic idea, genuinely. I'm um, really I'm good, thrilled. Really. I'm really, so really thrilled, guys. Because it's like the create. I I love an idea. We always joke about ideas that would be made, like you know, like Dan, your Netflix idea. Of course, that would be made. Of course, mm-hmm. it would. But I think it's it's always nice when something comes along where you think, God, I should have thought of that. You know, I should oh. I should have thought of that. It's t- it's good when that comes around. You what know? Tr- do you guys ever do um, like any really bad ideas? <laughs> Are there any really bad ideas that come on? <laughs> no, we lo- we love the bad ideas. Yeah, they never right? get picked. So. <laughs> <laughs> so we've had. We I think I generate the bad ideas. So normally my ideas are sort of uh, the ideas I previously joked about when we were conceiving the idea of slash dupe or films I really genuinely wanted to make when I was young and like from that idea. So my pitches are the bad ideas and I leave the good ideas for everyone else. And I, okay, and I take, okay. I, I take the bad ideas, cool. uh, my, you know, I, I take that upon myself to do. Yeah. Cause those um, are fun too. But we love the bad ideas. At oh yeah. And if there's, if oh, yeah. there's anyone at home as well, I mean, like we love, we love the bad ideas. Um, <laughs> but it just so happens that this one was a good one. So thanks. <sighs> I'm thrilled. So by now uh, you probably have listened to the uh, the first heat, our adjudicator uh, round one uh, for the first six episodes of Slash Deep. And if you haven't, you can go back and listen to it. Um, I just wanted to thank everyone on Facebook who uh, gave their opinions on the poll. Uh, we're, we're really grateful to get that engagement and to find out the ideas that people liked and and and, and maybe preferred. Uh, I, I'm really fascinated actually because you know first of all I want to thank. Um, Andrew Howlin and, and Daniel Kelly, uh, they voted the most uh, and they really seem to have a vested interest um, in the polls uh, and what won. So shout out to our star players. Um, they uh, had both of them voted for Arrest My Case over Bob Disposal, actually, interestingly enough, in the polls. Um, and both of them also voted for This Train Terminates. So they're, they're bang on the money. Phil Daniels and James Haggy, uh, there was a lot of love there for Potluck. So I'm guessing that you guys are some snooker fans. So that, that's kind of cool. Um, so it, we'd love to hear, I mean, if you're snooker fans and Potluck resonates with you, you might have like a serious a drama, something that sort of, you know, is the antithesis of Dan's a wonderful idea for Potluck. Um, but if you do, you know, chuck it in the comments. We'd love to give you another shout out. And Roxy Claire, I want to thank you for voting for Bob Disposal. I, I mean, I can't have favorites. Um, and, I'm, and I love all of the ideas equally, as, as we were saying with Ali, the good ones and the bad. But, you know, Bob Disposal, there's something special about Bob Disposal. It was the first one uh, that we that we ever picked as a winner. It was the first one that we ever duped and really came to together as a group at the table that we, we really sort of created that idea together. So I, there's a real special soft spot in my heart for Bob Disposal. I definitely, so thanks, peaked. I definitely peaked early with <laughs> Bob Disposal. But seeing as I haven't peak. won one since. So, what you know, I'm, I'm playing the long game. <laughs> I think I feel like maybe what how I'll get well maybe episode 22 23 and then that one will, and then maybe I'll just I'll have a resurgence we'll see we'll see I'm looking forward to it as with as with everybody at home I'm sure looking forward to your resurgence Ali you're an 
actress in the New York area, aren't you? Yeah. Um, okay, so my website is www.allybill.com. That is A-L-I-B-I-L-L.com. And my Instagram handle is at thatgirlallybill. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. I love winning. This has been the best day. <laughs> oh, thanks. Have I expressed well, that, Dan and Ryan? I yeah, love winning. Yeah. I am yeah. the winner. We all love winner. winning. That's um, why. <laughs> I'm way more frightened of Ali than I am of Ryan and Dan. So uh, <laughs> You can also find us on Instagram at Slash Dupe, Twitter at Slash Dupe. We've got our Reddit, which is also our forward slash Slash Dupe. Uh, we've got our Facebook pages that Sean's been talking about. And we'd love to hear your um, input. So please do hit us up. So that just leads me to thank Ali, our guest. Thank you for being here with us today, Ali. Oh my gosh, it was a genuine pleasure. Thank you very much. Yeah, well, I, listen, uh, we're so happy to have you on and your idea was, it was, it was brilliant. And Ryan, you're, as a dupe, your idea was brilliant. So thank you as well. Thank you, Sean. It's a pleasure as always. And Dan, always a pleasure, mate. One day. Oh, always a pleasure. One, one day, day and it's one day fine. Win again. I'm always beaten by much better ideas. You won't get ideas. the sympathy, uh, the sympathy win. Right. Like last Ramesh, time, we get the real win. Ramesh and James, if you're listening, come hit me up. Yeah. We'll, we'll discuss it. And <laughs> I won't see you next week for, for Slash Dupe because I'll be earning millions off of that idea. Yeah. <laughs> 5%. We'll all take um, that 5%, Ali, right? Yeah, just, just five. And thank you very much, Sean, for being our peerless moderator and host. Yeah, thank uh, you. My pleasure. Always a pleasure to hear the amazing ideas, intellectual property, and and sort of a little bit inside of the souls of the people that come on as well. Uh, no, no, I'm not, I'll be yeah. honest with you, you know, just a little bit, um, particularly with Johnny's episode, Song of Jupiter, I mean, my God. Um, but yeah, just an absolute pleasure to, to sort of uh, to share this with everybody. So, so thank Same. you. Guys. And I'll be back for Space Garbage. Absolutely. Watch the space. <laughs> space Season garbage. two. Yeah. Watch the, this the space, space garbage. Oh, oh no, God. that was... Oh. Wow, that. wow, wow. Cut that out. Bye, everyone. <laughs> Goodbye. So my first question would be, oh, sorry, Dan, go on. No, 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 it's okay. No, 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 you go, you go. Really? Okay. I was just saying maybe they, yeah, go on. (laughs) (laughs) No, you go ahead, Dan. I have, I I genuinely have zero. Recorded in the Capo Studios 2020. What's up, Danger?